we want to turn our attention to the Word of God. And I want, before we jump into um, our new sermon series, which we're starting today, which is uh, called um, Prepare the Way, as we're looking at the preparing the way, as we come out of the season of the parables, as we get ready to enter into Advent or the Christmas season, felt like this was a great opportunity for us to really think about our hearts and are our hearts prepared for the Lord. But I want us to prepare even this morning, to hear the word of the Lord. And, and I love what um, Tucker read this morning out of Psalm 130, where he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord. Like we hope in the word of God. It is his word that holds authority in our lives. So I want to take just a minute to pause, to, to just pray, and ask the Lord to speak to us um, before I invite Brian Doom up to come and read for us out of our text, out of Mark. So just pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning, and uh, I love that we get to pray uh, every week for a group of people, uh, unreached people, uh, because it reminds us every single week, we are not alone, that Christian faith and all that you have done in your word is not just about our individual lives in this moment in Wichita, Kansas in 2022, but it spans the ages, and it spans generations, and it spans the borders, and your gospel is for all people. And Father, we need it. We need you. And Lord, we come this morning recognizing that your word is powerful. It has the, the power into salvation for us. It is your revelation to us. It is not my word. It is not Brian's word. It's yours. And so Lord, this morning, as we move to listen to that, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. Father, we invite your spirit to guide us, to lead us into truth, to speak to us, to speak to our hearts in a way that only he knows how. Father, help us to lay things down that might be a distraction uh, from hearing you this morning as we enter into this time. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Brian, um, if you want to go ahead, you're already up here, so I don't need to invite you. So yeah. uh, if you would, please stand with me out of respect for God's word. We're going to be reading Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8 this morning. Brian, go ahead. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." Church, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Go ahead and have a seat. So uh, I, I've grown up in Kansas most of my life, and so being in Kansas, we don't have a lot of opportunities to see a lot of like 
super famous people and dignitaries and all kinds of things that might come into our city. Now, every once in a while, we'll get someone like a Harrison Ford or um, I heard Serena Williams was here a couple weeks ago or whatever, but they tend to come in pretty quietly. And so I've never really been around the idea of the uh, like pomp and circumstance of um, dignitaries and, and super celebrity type of people. And, and so it was interesting for me when I happened to be in Poland this past summer, uh, I was there during the time when President uh, Biden came to Warsaw. And so I actually was in Warsaw during that time. It was actually funny. I was telling this story, and uh, we actually have a missionary here with us today from Poland. So uh, she's actually with Pro-Am, which is where we were working with uh, when we sent our teams there. But I was there when Biden came into Warsaw, and it was amazing for me to see all of the preparation that had to take place for President Biden to come to Warsaw. They shut down the vast majority of the city, especially the route from the airport to the presidential palace. And we were in Warsaw just trying to walk around. There's some pictures I took and you can just see there were police everywhere. The entire Warsaw police was out. They had brought police from other parts of the, uh, the country. If you ever want to do a crime, that's the time to do it because they were all busy, but they were lining the streets, barricades everywhere, crowds everywhere, shops were closed. Uh, and it was, just, it was just crazy for me to watch all of the effort that went into preparing for President Biden to come. I was more fascinated by the preparations than I was him actually being there. Maybe that says something about me, I don't know. Uh, but it was such a fascinating thing. And I'm sure that inside the palace, there's all kinds of, of preparations that were going on. And, and I just thought to myself, as I was reading this text, uh, I, can you imagine if Warsaw didn't prepare at all? And Biden just landed and, and just tried to make his way to the presidential palace. Can you imagine what that would have been like or what it would have seemed like and the respect that was there? But there was such preparation that happened. And I got to thinking, like, what if God... The father didn't prepare the way for his son, Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? It, what if he didn't prepare the way? And I find it interesting that Mark begins his gospel in a very unique way. Look what he says in Mark chapter 1. We already read it in verse 1. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now we hear the beginning of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you're like me, you would think that the next statement would be a statement about like a stallion or a sword or even like the other gospels talking about the birth of Jesus. That's not what Mark does. Mark doesn't jump right into that. Mark quotes from an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And then after he quotes from Isaiah, he jumps in to talk about this man named John who was out in the wilderness. We know him as John the Baptist. That wasn't his last name. He just is known for that because he was baptizing people in the wilderness. But John is out there. And this is how Mark begins his gospel. I find this fascinating because what we see in this is that there is a preparation that God is working on before Jesus comes. And I want us to spend some weeks thinking about this idea of preparation and preparing the way for the, the, the Son of God, for Jesus, even in our own lives. Because I think this is important for us in 2022 just as much as it was for the people in the first century waiting for Jesus to come. So I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, and I certainly hope you do, stick your finger in Mark chapter 1, but turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. Right, we're going to spend some time in Isaiah chapter 40 as well. But before we jump into Isaiah 40, it's important to know what happens in Isaiah 39. 
Isaiah is telling the people of Israel what is about to happen to Jerusalem. In essence, he's telling them because of their sins and because of all that they've done, Assyria and Babylon are going to come and make and basically take over Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is going to fall, which we know that it does just a hundred years later. And so Isaiah is writing to this, and he begins to share this message. But then he jumps in in Isaiah chapter 40 to share a message of hope. There was something that was going to come, a restoration a, a, a message of hope to the people of Israel who were in exile. And we see in Isaiah 40 through 48 the communication of what this hope is going to look like. Now, I want to pause. I want to encourage you. If you're looking for something to read, read Isaiah 40 through 48 over the next several weeks. So maybe take one chapter and read it each week as we're in this, as we prepare for Christmas, because it is beautiful to see how God is preparing the way and what this actually means, and what the gospel actually is, and how he's told us about it all the way long before Jesus ever came. But I want us to jump into Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. And Isaiah says this, or God says this through Isaiah, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. They needed comfort. Because they were in the midst of some very, very hard times And in essence, Isaiah goes on to tell them that their sin is going to ultimately be dealt with. And they're going to be led into a new kingdom. And they're going to become a people that are faithful servants to God, which is what they hadn't been up to this point. And they're going to tell all the nations about who he is. But before all of that happens, Isaiah speaks of preparation that is needed to take place before all of it happens. I want to read it. It's going to sound very familiar. Isaiah 40, starting in verse 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. And uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Mark is quoting straight from this text. He is telling us that the good news, it's here because the voice has come. The preparation has begun. And it's begun, and it's through this man named John. And this preparation isn't just a random preparation. It's to something very specific. And Isaiah tells us about it. We just read it in verse 5, but I want to highlight it. He says, this is the preparation so that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. So that the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. After the preparation, the glory of God will be revealed to all flesh. We will all see it together. Why don't you stop for a minute? Just think about that. Does that excite us? Does that really excite us? Do we even really want to see this? I mean, think about what the glory of the Lord actually is. Like, if you're familiar with the scriptures, you know that this is the kind of glory that came down upon Mount Sinai that made all the people of Israel panic as it looked like the entire mountain was aflame. This is the glory of the Lord that when Ezekiel saw it at the canal of Shabar, fell upon his face. 
This is the same glory of the Lord that caused the same reaction in Isaiah. It's the same glory of the Lord that when John, not the Baptist, but the apostle, saw the glory of the Lord in his vision in Revelation, falls on his face as though he's dead. Like, this is an an amazing, awe-inspiring thing. The Hebrew word for glory is kavod, and it means heavy and significant. And it's used to try to express God's significance when he shows up in person. This is the glory that did all of these things. This is the glory that affects these people in this way. And here's what's crazy to me. I know how excited we get to see certain bands come into Wichita. I saw some of y'all get super excited about the Backstreet Boys recently. I don't quite understand all that, but you know, uh, some of you guys are really excited about that. Like, I know how excited we get to see our celebrities or our favorite people or something like that in a restaurant. I know how excited we are. Are we excited to see the glory of the Lord? Do we want to see the glory of the Lord? I mean, how in the world can we get excited about people when we have in front of us the option to see the glory of God, his weight and his significance, his physical manifestation, that is what is about to be revealed to all flesh. And it wasn't just for people, the people of Mark's days. It was for us in 2022. In this moment, every single day is a day that we have the privilege and opportunity to be able to have revealed to us the glory of God. Begin to ask the question, do you want to see it? I don't think we should answer that question very quickly. Do we really want to see it? Maybe a better way to ask is to ask, are you ready for the repercussions of seeing the glory of God? Because every single time someone in the scripture sees the glory of God, it's like they get hit by a Mack truck and it changes everything for them. So maybe the better question is, are you ready to be wrecked in your life so that you might be made whole? Are you ready to be utterly broken so that you might be made healed? Are you ready to be utterly humbled before the glory of God? Are you ready to literally come to a place of dying to yourself because of what his glory causes you to see in yourself so that you might actually find life. Like to say, yes, I want to see the glory of God, and yet not be ready for those things means we're really not ready for the glory of God because you can't see the glory of God and not have those things happen to you. You will be humbled. You will be broken. You will want to lay your life down. It's that amazing. And this season, and every single day of our lives, is an opportunity for us to decide whether we want to see the glory of God or whether we want to choose to stay blind to it. I mean, gaze upon the glory of other things. Gaze upon the glory of men and women, pleasures, comforts, our strength, our lives, our ability. Listen, none of that changes the reality of who he is. No matter how much we don't want to see it, no matter how much we might want to turn away from it, no matter how much we want to try to ignore it or just be apathetic to it, the reality of it is everybody sooner or later is going to see the glory of the Lord. And you know what it's going to cause? Every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it's going to cause. So do we want to see his glory? Do we want to see him revealed in our lives? If we do, we need to be mindful of preparation. We need to have our lives and our hearts be prepared. And so I want to look at three different things that we need to think about as we think about preparing our hearts to see him and to have him revealed to us. First is a preparation of circumstance. Isaiah chapter 40 talks of a road, that it was to be made straight, that valleys would be lifted up and mountains and hills would be made low and that ground would be made level. Rough places would be plain. You know what this makes me think of? Kansas. (laughs) Doesn't it? And this isn't actually a picture of Kansas. It's actually the longest straight highway in the world. Um, But nonetheless, like it makes you think of Kansas where you can just see for miles. Like everything is straight. What this is telling us is that God is, is, is letting us know his desire is to eliminate every single natural barrier so that we can see him when he reveals himself to us. He's saying like, I, I, I don't want any mountains in the way, so I'm gonna level them. I don't want anything to get in the way. I want you to see my glory. So if you're here and you're like, man, God tries to be distant and he's made this difficult. No, he's not. He's made it plain. He's made it clear. He's tried to make it straight for us so that we can see his glory. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is the glory of God in physical manifestation. That's what Mark is getting ready to tell us. This is the beginning of the good news. The glory has come, and it's come in Jesus. God's telling us that any of us that have ears to hear, that while his revelation might feel like a long time away, he is preparing the way. It is a perfect time in his story or history, pun intended. Perfect time for him to reveal his glory. This is exactly what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Circumstantially, Jesus comes at the perfect time. Like it wasn't random. It may have seemed from the people of Israel that the Messiah was taking forever to get here, but he was preparing the way. Just circumstantially in the world, you think about all that was going on there. The Greeks had taken over much of the world, and so uh, the Greek language had become kind of the common language of most of the people of the world. Then then after the Greeks, the Romans came in, and and they kind of created a peace and and connected much of uh, that kind of Mesopotamia area through roads and all kinds of different things. Like There were circumstances that God intended to be ready and ripe so that when he revealed his glory in Jesus, that gospel could go out into the world. The time was right. The circumstances were right. And Isaiah 40 makes sure we don't assume that it was by chance. It had been done with intent. Now, this same idea, I think, needs to help us to consider our own lives. Has or is God circumstantially leveling out the road that you might see his glory in your life. Now, this isn't just a one-time thing for us. We're to constantly be seeing and seeking to see more and more and more of Jesus, aren't we? 
Like we want to be, have our, the veil over our eyes being taken off more and more and more until we finally see him one day in all the fullness of his glory. Amen? Like this isn't just a one-time thing. This is a, something we should pursue all of the time. And many of us, and many times throughout Scripture, we see that God uses a variety of circumstances so that his glory can be revealed. Think of Job, for example. For him, it happened through difficulty. If you know that story, all kinds of bad things happened to Job. And at the end of that, Job says, I have heard of you, now now I've seen you. Some of you have this story in your own life like through a difficult circumstance or a hard season of your life or an inner moment of desperation or a wilderness kind of moment, you saw the Lord. He revealed himself to you. God can and often does use circumstantial moments to open up our eyes. And in our circumstances, we can easily refuse to acknowledge God or we can shake our fists in anger instead of looking at him and seeing him. In other words, we can easily want to ask the question, why, instead of ask the question, where are you? How can I see you? And this oftentimes happens through challenging circumstances. I'll give you an example. Just this week, we had some difficult things happen in our house, and we were praying. Um, actually, I'll just be honest. My wife was praying. I hadn't even prayed for this yet. And my wife was praying that the Lord would show himself that he was present and that he would meet the need. And God met the need in specific form through a brother and sister in Christ at our doorstep. He answered his prayer. Through that hard circumstance, he revealed his glory to us as he worked out an answer to that prayer. But our eyes have to be open to it, don't they? And I could be so busy being angry at God because of the circumstance that I miss what he's doing in the midst of the circumstance. So we need to be reminded of this. Now, it's beyond the scope of our time today, and I know what this oftentimes brings up, which is the question, was God the cause of my hard time? Is God the cause of my suffering? And this is a question that the church has asked all the time. Like, what, does he allow this? Does he cause it? Is it just something that happens in the world? Here's, here's the point I want us to make today that's very clear. And I do think there's answers to this. In the end, that doesn't really matter. Because in the end, our God is sovereign over all of those circumstances. And he can take any of them and use them for the furthering of his glory and for the furthering of your eternal good. Amen? He is moving, and he is not distant. He's in the midst of our lives, and he is engaging in our lives. And it may not be through a hard thing. God may try be trying to reveal himself through positive things, like the birth of a child, or an answered prayer, like happened to us through the kind, uh, the, the kind gift of another person. You might be here this morning because someone invited you to church out of kindness of their own heart. And it's not an accident that you're here. God has you here. The question is, do you see that he's working in your circumstances, preparing the way so that you can look and see his glory for you? He is not distant from our circumstances. He's using them. He's engaged in them, and he's preparing things in our lives that we might see more of him day in and day out. We also need to consider the preparation of our home. Simply put, could the glory of God rest here? 
Could the glory of God rest in your home? Could the glory of God rest in your life? For the people of Israel, this was a huge question. If you know the Old Testament, the glory of God came down and his presence was in the temple. But over time, as they engaged in detestable acts and they weren't set apart and they weren't holy and they weren't obeying the law of God, God over and over again called them to repentance until finally he said, I'm removing my glory. That's terrifying. And it should have been, and it was for them. And he removed his glory. And I asked the question, very practically, could the glory reside in your home? Could the glory of God reside in your heart? Is your life a place where the glory of God would rest? And I don't ask this question in a way where I want to ever give the perception that we can be good enough when we rely wholly upon the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to us through faith by grace. But man, we would be unfaithful to Scripture to say that our holiness doesn't matter. Scripture is abundantly clear. We can grieve the Spirit of God. James writes this in James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, he's not writing to pagans. He's writing to the church. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Our holiness matters. Our holiness matters. If your faith is simply about not going to hell and you're not longing for and looking for and trying to prepare your life in your home that you might be in the presence of God, walking in relationship with him, then you're not going to clearly see him Certainly not the way Ezekiel and Isaiah did. Let me just start with Sunday. This is the day where a lot of us carve out time, right, to be here, to try to hear from the Lord and try to see the Lord and be engaged in his presence. I don't want to step on any toes, but let me just say this, and I've been here, so I'm going to kind of confess some of what my life has been a few times in my history of going to church. But if you get up, 30 minutes before you're supposed to be at church and you suddenly have that panic moment wash over you where you're like, oh, snap. Like, I need to be at church now. And you run to the closet and you put your clothes on and you realize that the shirt that you plan on wearing has a stain and so you change it again and then you run up and then you call down at the kids and say, get up, we gotta get to church. And then you think they get up, but they don't get up. They keep laying in bed. Anybody ever have that happen to you? And so then it's like time to go and you're like, aren't you guys ready? And they're still sleeping. And you're like, get out of bed. And you get them out of bed and you try to shove food in their mouth and they're running out the house with like cereal or whatever it is. And you get in the car and, and then you start having an argument with your wife or your husband. And you're like, well, where'd you put the keys? Well, I don't know. Why don't you have the keys? We're supposed to be at church, right? And then you turn on as you're driving to church, your kids are screaming in the back because they feel the tension and everybody feels the tension. And you turn on the newest Taylor Swift album, right? <laughs> Y'all know that just came out this week. Not that I'm a huge fan, but nonetheless, right? But you go, and then you're driving to church, and you get behind that dingbat that's going 15 and a 40. And you're like, come on, I got to get to church. We're already five minutes late. And so then you get to church, and then you're trying to get your kids into the check-in, and you smack a sticker on their back, shove them in. We're already halfway through the worship time, and you sit down, take a breath, drink your coffee, because that's the most important thing, Right? 
and you expect to hear anything from the Lord of the Lord? Like, it's funny, we laugh because we've all been there. But yet, how often do we not recognize that we're not ready? We haven't prepared ourselves. Like, it's just like, we're just rushing to get there. That's not how we come into the presence of the king. That's not how we're supposed to do that. And listen, I'm confessing, I've been there. And sometimes we can even say, you know what? I mean, I'm going to go to church today, but they're probably not going to sing the songs that I like. In fact, I may not even come early enough to hear the songs because I know they're not going to be the songs that I like. In fact, they're not going to have the coffee that I like. And you come into this space negative, looking at picking things out and trying to find things that are not the way you want them to be. Do you think you're going to hear from the voice of the Lord? Let me encourage us. And I don't say this to try to make us all feel bad. I say this because I genuinely believe most of us are here because we want to hear from the Lord. And so I want to encourage you with something. Dedicate yourself to be here every single week between now and Christmas. Just be here every week. Say, we're going to be here every single week. And, and, And maybe dedicate yourself to prepare yourself a little bit better for coming to hear the Lord. Like, maybe lay your clothes out before you go to bed the night before on Saturday. Like, iron them, get them ready, get your kids' clothes ready. Spend a little time maybe before you go to bed in the Word of God. Turn your alarm on 30 or 40 minutes before you normally would on a Sunday morning and get up and spend some stillness in the Lord. Just be just be still. Maybe read the word. Maybe turn on some worship music and listen to the word. Of the this is a crazy thing. Leave your house in time to be at church like 20 minutes early. I know, right? It's hard. I got kids, believe me. I know, it's hard. But let me tell you, it's never going to happen if you don't intend for it to happen. And, and try to actually come ready and prepared. But that's just Sunday morning. What about your home? If our homes are full of things that are contrary to his nature, contrary to his purpose, contrary to what is right, contrary to truth, will his glory share that space? God doesn't share space with the world. If you're a friend with the world, you're at enmity with God. Which is why this matters, to fill our lives, not with things of the world, but with his things. And listen, I'm not talking about Ouija boards in your house. That's too obvious. It's Halloween, right? Like, I'm not talking about that. None of you have that in your house. At least I hope you don't. I'm talking about what you watch. I'm talking about what you listen to. The things that we spend our time with, the things we spend our money on, the influences that we let engage our lives, that we invite into our lives, the lies that we open ourselves up to, the worldliness that permeates every single corner of our home. I'm talking about that stuff. You know, I'm just, again, I want to just confess, like I failed in this last night. I failed because I knew that I had an opportunity to disciple my son in, in preparing his heart to be at church, but he wanted to watch a movie with me. It wasn't a bad movie. It was, a, it was fine. But I, I went ahead and did that 
And at the end of the movie, and as I got up this morning, I realized I missed the opportunity to disciple him and say, you know what would be a better use of our time on a Saturday night? is to spend some time in the Word. And you may say, oh, that sounds so boring. We're talking about the glory of God. Right? And so I get it. Life gets in, but we, we need to ask the question, is our life a life in which the glory of God could reside? Or are we giving so much of our life to the world that we're not even prepared? So there's the preparation of circumstances and keeping our eyes open to God's work in our lives, but then there's the preparation of our homes and our lives, and then there's the preparation of our hearts. Are we ready to hear? Are we ready to receive? Two quick questions that I want to ask. Do you trust his character? Do you trust his character? You know, going back to Biden's visit in Warsaw, if the president of Poland doesn't like him and doesn't trust him and doesn't believe anything that he says or thinks that he's an unwise human being, he's not going to receive anything that he says. If you distrust the character of God, if you don't believe that he cares about your circumstances, if you don't believe that he's listening to you, if you don't believe that he's engaged, if you don't believe that he loves you, of course you're going to have trouble listening for his voice. And so the question is, do you trust his character? And what I want to say about this is I can't preach to you to change that today, but what I can do is encourage you to take that to the Lord and say, God, I am struggling with my doubt in your character in this area. I'm feeling like you're not present. I'm feeling like you're not listening to my voice. God, I'm struggling to believe that you're actually engaged in things you know, the scripture even says, like, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I can't fix those things. And maybe you can't just wake up one morning and make all of those doubts and frustrations go away, but you can go to the Lord with them. And if you don't, and you don't trust his character, you won't be able to hear from him. You'll be too close off. You won't be able to receive anything from him. Prepare your heart before you come to him. Next, are you open to submit to him? That's a hard question. Natasha Crane, uh, a few weeks back, was here, and she pointed out that many people, even those who call themselves Christians, see God as the ultimate guest. And what she meant by that was that they are fine with a generic God who requires nothing, nothing of them, but immediately they balk at the moment that God actually requires anything from them. Does that make sense? Like, I'm great with a God who asks nothing of me, but if he does ask something of me, that is not cool. Listen, if you don't believe that God has ultimate authority over you, or if you don't believe, or if you do believe that you've got everything figured out and that your way of doing things is best, that it's the right way, then you're not going to hear from him. You're not going to be able to engage and listen if you think that he's only just about grace and love, but he's not also about power and strength and lordship, then your heart can't be prepared to see his glory. Because there's always going to be a justification every single term to avoid the humility of acknowledging that you need him and that he is holy and we are not. We are common are you ready to submit to him? 
Like these are important things. Like we have to prepare our hearts. This is one of the reasons John comes and says, like, he wants us to repent. John the Baptist, he, he says, want the people of Israel to repent. He wanted their hearts to be prepared, and many of them did. And they saw Jesus as a result of it. In closing, I ask again, do you want to see his glory? Are you daily seeking to prepare yourself that you might see and taste and enjoy the goodness of God? The greatness of God, the majesty of God, the might of God, the still and quiet voice of God. I believe these are all things that we all, every one of us needs to pursue more deeply and desire more. Are there circumstances in your life that God is using to level the ground so that you can see him? Just think about that. Even right now, this morning, like if there are circumstances right now that maybe instead of asking why, you could say, God, show me yourself in them. Are there circumstances in your life right now that God is leveling so you can see his work? Is your home, is your life, is your lifestyle such that prevents you from daily seeing him and walking with him? Is your heart prepared to hear and to obey what he's calling you to do? I don't want this to be one of those things you just hear a sermon. Like we want to take these things away and to walk with these and talk about them. So I want to encourage you as you leave this morning to take the, the takeaways. There's going to be at each one of the doors. We're going to have people there. And they're just there to help you remember the themes and the applications and some scriptures and ask some questions of how you can engage these things. But this morning, right now, I want to pray. And then we're going to move into a time of communion where we can really examine our own hearts. So bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for this morning. And I'm grateful for the reminder of this text that we need to be prepared to prepare the way for you. It's not because you're not able to do it. It's not because you need us. It's because you've called us to prepare the way. And so, Father, I want to just ask in the next few moments that you would help us as your people. Now, looking back at hindsight, now that we've seen and we know that Jesus, your son, is the fullness of you. That he is glorious. And then we can look upon him and see your character fully displayed. Your love fully displayed. Your grace fully displayed. Lord, while we can do that, we now, in this moment, have an opportunity every single day to walk in that and to live it and to seek more and more and more of your glory in our lives. And this isn't just for missionaries and it's not for pastors and clergy. You want this for every single one of your people to see you more clearly. So I'll pray this morning that you just open our hearts and our eyes to just see areas where maybe we can make some changes so that the, the way would be more prepared in our lives and hearts for you to walk and to move freely and your spirit to work in us. So Lord, I just ask that you would do that in the next few moments.